Have you ever been in the receiving end of someone's hatred? In Genesis 37, the record of God's purpose through the covenant line continues with Joseph's dreams, his brothers selling him into slavery, and the inconsolable grief of Jacob. For the Lord is our defense, yes, you defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, you defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, you defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, you defend us. 17 years have passed since the birth of Joseph mentioned in Genesis 30. We are told that Jacob now is continuing to live in Canaan after the pattern of his father Isaac. We know also that Isaac is still alive. There's a lot of mystery. Not sure where he's living or what exactly is going on, but the calculation of his life would seem to indicate that he doesn't pass away until Joseph is in Egypt. Our attention is then turned to Joseph. He's out shepherding with his brothers, specifically the brothers of the concubines. Not sure where the brothers that uh, were the offspring of Leah are at this stage. Perhaps Jacob has created certain space, orchestrated space between Joseph and Benjamin and these other brothers. We're not sure. But whatever the case, something happens and Joseph has to come back to Jacob to report the ill behavior of these brothers. Whether it was their treatment of him Perhaps their treatment of the flocks or something else, we're not told. In verses 3 and 4, we're told that Jacob favors Joseph as the son of his old age. Now, when you read that, you may be thinking, is that not Benjamin? Does he not fit that description better? But it, it seems more that what is intended here is that this is the son he depends upon as he ages in his old age, the one that he can trust. And so he gives him this tunic, this special coat that separates Joseph from his brothers, not just as a symbol of favoritism, but also of authority. In verses 5 through 11, we learn that Joseph doesn't seem to be helping the circumstances of his relationship with his family when he shares with them the dreams that indicate his authority over them. Now, if these dreams were the empty ambitions of a spoilt son and his, his fantasies, then no one would have paid any attention. But there's a sense of authority that's coming from Joseph when he declares what God has revealed to him. And it's that that brings the anger of his brothers and even the rebuke of his father. But while the initial hearing seems unseemly to Jacob, he knows that this is a word from God. And so while the brothers of Joseph become more envious, Jacob hides this in his heart. He meditates upon what has been revealed. In verses 12 through 36, the scene changes. We're told that Joseph's brothers have gone to feed their father's flocks in Shechem. Now, this is some 60 miles north, so we're left wondering why. Uh, Were these animals left in Shechem from before? Is this a result of the weather and they have to move them around? Is it a practice of rotational grazing to preserve the land? Again, we're not sure, but this seems very far away. And Joseph is sent then to see how they fare. He finds out that they're a little farther on, another 15 miles or so in Dothan, and he goes on his way to his brothers. And so, recognizing the gait of his walk or the distinctive coat that he wore, several brothers notice Joseph on his way, and they begin to discuss killing him. Now, Reuben, the eldest, overhears this, and he intervenes, suggesting rather that they throw him in a pit. 
desiring, perhaps when their backs were turned, to release Joseph and let him go free. And so when Joseph arrives, they violently take hold of him, strip him of his coat, throw him in a pit, and then sit down to eat, ignoring any cries or pleas or prayers that they could hear Joseph offer. We then learn that passing by that way were a group of merchant Midianites. Sometimes you will find Midianites and Ishmaelites used interchangeably. There's a close connection between the groups. And that is the case here. And you find then Judas speaking up, making the suggestion that rather than kill their brother, let us sell them. And that's what they do. And so the Midianites taking Joseph proceed on their journey to Egypt and sell Joseph to an Egyptian. Reuben, meanwhile, finds out what is done and laments what has occurred. However, he is not about to tell his father what happened. And so when they return to Jacob and tell of the story, they carry with him the coat covered in blood and make their father think that Joseph is dead. And so we come to application one. While all men are equal in dignity, they are not all equal in gift or station. Joseph often gets a hard time in relation to how he shared what his brothers did and how he told his dreams. But there's no concrete wrongdoing in any of this. The circumstances may have required him to share the behavior of his brothers. And the dreams, well, they were prophetic and God intended them to be declared. The sins of this chapter lay firmly in the hands of the brothers. While Jacob favored Joseph with a coat, God favored Joseph with his dreams. An old preacher once observed that sometimes our Heavenly Father bestows upon one of his children tremendous gifting and preeminence. And like a coat of many colors, it's there for all to see. But it is not the fault of the recipient when the brothers are envious. Despite that, I think there's a word of caution that if we as parents see a particular gifting in one or more of our children, that we're careful to navigate that and we're wise as serpents, harmless as doves, so as not to drive envy into the hearts of the rest of our children. The same goes for the children themselves. You children, when you see greater gifting in one of your siblings or in friends that you know, celebrate it, rejoice in it, thank God for it. Two, the word of God issuing from a holy life has a powerful influence upon the conscience. When a carnal man quotes scripture, people don't seem to be too concerned, at least usually that's the way. It's almost as if the words lack power and they're easily ignored. The reason Joseph's brothers had such a problem with his dreams was not simply because of what they revealed, but because they were issuing from a brother that they knew walked with integrity. It was the manner of his living combined with what he said that bothered them. People love to try and find fault with the messenger in order to discredit the message. Remember that, Christian, and by the grace of God, try to prevent that opportunity. People will love to try and find some legitimate point of fault in your life in order that they might ignore the message that you bring. 3. Unholy hatred is murder. The sins of Joseph's brothers in this chapter are considerable. We find that they hate him, they envy him, they abuse him, they ignore his cries, and they sell him. Now, according to Exodus 21, to sell a man like they did Joseph is a capital offense worthy of death. But all of their feelings, all of their thoughts, all of it is a form of murder in the heart. 
And we're told in 1 John 3.15 to hate our brother is murder. Children, it is very common to use the word hate in a careless and sinful manner. Have you ever done that? Remember that God hears all of our words and records them. Avoid this kind of language that brings his anger. 4. While small personal hurts can be covered, ignoring great wickedness makes you complicit in injustice. We're told in Proverbs that it is a man's glory to pass over a transgression, and it's true, but this applies specifically to personal offences against ourselves. Now, there may be some challenge in circumstances relating to this, but generally speaking, when others are involved, and especially when someone else is in authority and has the power and final say to make a judgment on what has happened, we owe it to them to tell them what they need to know in order to maintain order in their jurisdiction. So, for example, in this chapter, Joseph told his father Jacob what his brothers had done, whereas Reuben withholds that information from him, making him an accomplice in the crime. And finally, the whole purpose of the book of Genesis is to show us how the promise of the Messiah will come to pass. And so we're about to embark on a journey which will mostly follow the life of Joseph because he becomes the key instrument to preserve his brothers, both physically and spiritually. In doing so, we have lots of messianic imagery, many occasions in which we see glimpses of our Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph came on to his own, as it were, and his own received him not. And like our Lord Jesus Christ, he had a peculiar favor from the Father that was utterly ignored and despised by the brethren. And just as we find with our Lord Jesus Christ, where any talk of his messianic kingship angers the Jews, so it is with Joseph. The reference of his dreams and his dominion over his brothers angers them greatly and almost got him killed. As we read this chapter, may we lament the common hatred that is found often among brethren. May we endeavor to work for the peace of the church and show to the world the great love we have one for another.